What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Lodges podcast. Today, we had the opportunity to sit down with April Blizz, who is the founder of Trailblazing VR. So if you've been following along to the podcast and you have been waiting for a VR and AR episode, it is finally here. And April was an amazing guest to bring on and speak about all of this. So we chat from her leaving her corporate America job to jumping into the VR AR space. Um, we talk about how she was a part of the Oculus Launchpad program, how she built an app, an AI app, and where she's at right now. I'm um, trying to bring all that into esports and the different projects that she's working on. So it was an amazing conversation. I think a lot of valuable uh, information for everyone to tune in and listen to. So with that being said, this is the Lodges Podcast up next. Welcome back to another episode of the Lodges podcast. This is a podcast where we host and interview streamers, pro esports players, and business professionals in the gaming and esports industry. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the podcast. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it just as much as our regular listeners. And if you're a returning listener or you're a subscriber to the podcast, thank you again for joining us. The success of this podcast is impossible without the support of our listeners, so we definitely appreciate everybody who is tuning in and giving a listen to the show. This is episode 25. Super excited about this conversation. Um, today with us, we have April Blizz, who is the founder of Trailblazing VR. Uh, so April, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. I'm super excited. I know we have brought up AR and VR in the past with guests, but not someone who has a voice in the space or that is experienced in the space. So cool. Um, I'm glad to talk about it. Definitely. Um, well, typically how we start things off April, just the beginning to give everybody a little bit of context about yourself. If you just want to give us your background story, let us know where you're from and, and kind of your life journey in, you know, four to five minutes, we, we'd love to hear it. Uh, I was born and raised in Florida, in central Florida, and I'm in Minnesota now, which is really odd. And when people <laughs> say, like, how in the world did you get from Florida to Minnesota? I always joke and say I want to see how far north I could go before hitting Canada. So you just <laughs> stop right at Minnesota. Um, uh, but uh, born and raised in central Florida, actually right next to you in Lakeland. And yes. um, I went to school at USF. And I worked for a decade at Geico. So I started in sales and then I moved to underwriting. And then I really wanted to start moving up in the company. And I'm not sure if it's still Geico's policy, but you have to have a four-year degree in order to be promoted throughout the company or already have a four-year degree. And um, I had gone to college right after high school. And then I just... I wasn't a good student in college. I was enjoying life, like being free, you know, outside of high school. <laughs> and um, I first went for nursing and then I didn't want to be a nurse anymore. And it's like the default is business, you know, like what am I supposed right. to do now? They're like, well, just keep going and just go for business. And I'm like, I don't want to pursue business, you know, at that time of my life. And I was, I really wanted to be able to move up to Geico and I was afraid of getting into a degree that I wasn't interested in and then not doing well. So I really just wanted to get through college as quick as I could. 
So I've right. always been interested in criminology and criminal minds and, you know, just CSI type stuff. So I got a degree in criminology. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right. Um, but I was able to move up through Geico. So I got my first underwriting supervisor position, then I became an underwriting trainer, and then my last position was an HR supervisor, um, which is really hard to get in a company like Geico because they have to know you. They have to be able to really trust you um, mm -hmm. with all the information that that, that role entails. Um, after that is when I moved to Minnesota, and it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad that was the introduction to my my change change of thoughts and change of plans of what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I was like, okay, I don't want this corporate structure anymore. I want to invent. I want to create. I want to do. And everything in my life changed. And it was, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the first book. And then I read about 20 others. And I'm like, okay, I need to take a different path in life. And now is the time to do it. So I did some research. I, I talked to some people. And I was like, okay, VR, this is cool. And this was in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to get into VR. I want to do something with VR. So I am not a coder. I am not an artist. And a lot of people in VR do. They can dabble, dabble in Unity or Unreal. And like, it, it's horrible when I go in. Like, I'm immediately lost. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, abort the mission. You know, get out. Um, so I have to always hire someone. So there was someone in town that did both. He was an artist, a 3D artist, and a developer. I hired him to create a demo and he already had a relationship with Oculus. And I'm like, we need to get this in Oculus's hands. And he's like, well, I hear that they're all going to be at the GDC, the game developers conference this year. And that was back in 2017. I'm like, well, then we need to go to the GDC. Right. And he's like, he's like, well, hold on. I'm like, no, no, there's no hold on. We're going to book a plane ticket and we're going to fly to San Francisco. So we did. And he got my demo in the hands of the people that he knew at Oculus. And a couple of weeks later, uh, he received an email from them about, you know, my vision. I had created this game that I called Cryptos. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like an Indiana Jones type style demo for VR. And I provided him like all the direction, how I wanted to, to look in the gameplay and et cetera. Anyway, Oculus said that they had never seen anything like it and that I should apply for the launch pad. And I was like, what is the launch pad? <laughs> So is this right. an right? Is this initiative to get minorities into VR creation? And I was like, right, minorities. And he's like, right. I'm like, right. <laughs> like I, I don't like, like. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, he's like, yeah, like you're a female. And I'm like, right. He's like, they want specifically females in VR creation. I'm like, really? So I'm like, okay. So I applied, and I was one of 100 chosen from across America to participate in their Oculus Launchpad. So they paid for everything. They fly you out to California. You spend a weekend at Facebook headquarters and they gave you free equipment. And at the end of it, they said, now create for us. Here's the rules, here's the time frame, et cetera. And then they pick about 10 people to fund and bring their demo to, to life in full. So being that I was in the auto industry, auto insurance industry, I did some research, and I also researched what the previous winners, what, what their ideas and concepts were about, and they're all worthy endeavors, right? It's not just like, here's a new game. Those are not winning the competitions. Right. But I found, because of my background, that the number one killer of teenagers in America is auto accidents. 
not 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 drugs not alcohol not any it's auto accidents and it's such a big problem that the cdc the center for disease control has actually identified eight specific factors involved in these auto accidents so i'm like okay why are we not training these in vr right Mm -hmm. because what's happening is the you can read about things that'll happen people can tell you about situations that'll happen but until you're actually in your vehicle and in that situation for the first time, you really don't know how you're going to react. So I brought a couple of those um, scenarios to life in VR in my demo, but then I did not receive funding. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is so worthy. How did this not get funded? (laughs) Right? I I was just, I was blown away. So I was frustrated and I'm like, I want to do something that I'm not depending on someone else for that I can just bring to life. So uh, that year, 2017, um, Apple had just come out with their AR kit. So I called the same developers that I used for my Oculus Launchpad submission. I'm like, hey, have you guys dabbled in AR? Because most people that create for VR do not also create for AR. It's, it's a very different process. They normally okay. love one and hate the other. But my developer was like, actually, yeah, I'm actually trying to build something for myself right now and dabble in it, and I I know how to create for it. And then I went back to my same 3D artist I had used for Oculus Launchpad, and he's like, yep, I'll do this also. I'm like, fantastic. So we created an, I know, we created an AR game called War of the AI, and we got it done really quick because I just got the idea to do it like around September, October, and they're like, if you're going to do this, you need to get it out in time for Christmas. And I said, okay. So we rushed it. We got it done in six weeks, which will just about kill any developer out there. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't recommend it. That seems right? fast. They get a little cranky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we did. We got it done, and we were in different countries. Everybody's in different time zones. So it was exhausting, but we got it done. Um, but in 2017, I was traveling around to conferences, to really just get in the space, to learn what's going on, to get to know everybody. And um, it was during one of those conferences that there was a VR esports area. And that's literally the first time I remember hearing or seeing the word esports. And I'm like, what is esports? So I go back to my hotel room and I look it up and I was blown away. I mean, absolutely blown away. And I was like, wow, this esports has a history that VR and AR don't. VR and AR are trying to take off around the world. Esports has a long history. And the last couple of years, it's really just felt like a tidal wave hitting North America, right? Mm -hmm. So all this energy behind it, all this history behind it, and boom, people are just getting hit in the face everywhere with esports now in North America that didn't even know it existed, like me. Um, But I, I wanted to create for esports, and I just, I started traveling i started meeting people and do you want me to keep going from there or do you want to talk about getting to more of this later yeah well actually i was going to ask you i want to dive into a little bit of the early experience just because i think you had a lot of cool things going on and then let's let's jump into the esports sure. side when you do that so um first off how you know you get selected you, you get into the oculus launch program and you know the fact that you even got selected to go to Facebook, you know, Facebook headquarters, you're there through that whole experience. I mean, how was that for you? Did you enjoy the experience? Um, I know when we had talked, you had a, 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 some thoughts on funding, whether you liked it, whether you didn't like it. Um, so, you know, overall, how was that experience and that opportunity? 
so I might be shooting myself here, but I'm going to tell the <laughs> truth, okay? And I'll yeah, never, ever get funding now, ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, number one, it's a really cool facility. Number two, anytime you're at a conference and there's a Facebook or Oculus party going on, they have the best food. I'm a foodie, so I have to say they have the best food available. That's always a plus. It is a plus. <laughs> um, but uh, it was also creepy. And I've been to a couple of their events now. I've been to a couple of Oculus parties at the GDC. And I was, of course, at Facebook headquarters for a weekend. And right. um, it's a very, very much like a big brother scenario. So there are cameras everywhere. I mean, mm. you know that you're being watched. They're not even trying. And it's not just normal security cameras that you would see in, at a corporation. Right. Okay. It's, yeah. it's much more invasive than that. Um, I was even thinking about a couple of things that happened uh, yesterday. Um, for example, at one of the parties I went to uh, uh, during the GDC, there were displays everywhere letting you know that you were being taped audio and visual. And I saw Jason Rubin walk in the front door and then boom, disappeared. You didn't see him for the rest of the night. And uh, so, and I started looking around the room, like what, something doesn't feel right. Like what's going on? And it was a very large space and there were guards every five feet guarding wow. the interior walls of our party. So you don't normally guards guard something. Why are the guards against the wall looking at us? Right. right? Lots of them. And so I'm sitting there and everybody's like acting like the normal selves. How can you act like your normal selves when like they're letting you know that you're being recorded audio and visual, right? Right. And where right. did Jason Rubin go to and why are there guards everywhere? And I befriended one of the employees working the event because there's lots of VR things that you could do inside the party. And the next day I saw him and I'm like, hey, were all of the, the Facebook Oculus people, like the C-levels, were they behind the walls of this party, like watching us? And he just smiles at me. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> literally, like that's why I saw Jason Rubin walk in and I didn't see him again. They all had like their own party behind the walls. So the guards were actually guarding them. Right. Anyway, the, the, like I said, that's I've been to a couple of their events and it, it's just creepy. Like, there's really something inside me that just says, this is not right. There's something wrong here. So I really didn't feel comfortable. So I, you know, I had to fight the second time to get a ticket to their um, party at the GDC. I'm like, you know, I am not going to fight for that ticket anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so bye-bye funding forever. But there, there's the truth, Juan. <laughs> no, hey, I, we want the, you know, the authentic real response here on the largest podcast. So I appreciate it. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> we, we definitely want to get in the nitty gritty and all that. So that's interesting because I've yeah. never heard of, of an experience like that. And I mean, I can only imagine, you know, trying to enjoy yourself, trying to chat with people. And, and I'm a very self-aware person, like especially when I go into public settings, like, I don't know, I'm just always watching my back. So if I were to see something like that, it would definitely not only just throw me off, but kind of bug me out. I don't know. I, I feel like that's an odd setting. <laughs> It's funny because normally you can be pretty casual at a party, but like when you right. know you're being watched, I mean, I'm like, 
my best posture, <laughs> trying not to eat too much food. <laughs> and then I even look above me and there was a small railing and there was someone that was hired to be there, like literally watching everyone from the railing right above me. So I literally like look up and they're looking down at me and I just wave. <laughs> like <laughs> it, It's just an awkward moment. It was an awkward experience. Interesting. Hey, well, yeah. it, it's cool to, cool to at least learn about it because, you know, a lot of people might not see that from the outside or obviously get to experience some of the experiences you had, which, you know, on the outside look like great opportunities and all that. So, yeah. Um, well, I also want to jump into so that covers the Oculus and, you know, the opportunity you have with going to Facebook headquarters, which is all really cool and honestly great self accomplishments for yourself to do that. Then you go and you create the app and you talk about how it, you guys did it in six weeks and it was very fast. How, you know, how many people, I think a lot of times we hear about creating apps or everyone's like, oh, I'm going to make an app, but you don't really hear about the process of it. If you want to chat on that a little bit, you know, how many people did it take to create it? Where did you kind of um, have your hands on it and that whole process? So I, I one thing I would say right off the bat before I forget is I, if I had to do it again, I would not have published the AR app. There were a couple of good things that came out of it right away. It was a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. And it, it did cause me to meet a couple of investors and business people because it, you do get a stamp of approval by showing that you were able to uh, manage a project. You accomplished this. You completed it. Boom, you've got a stamp of approval, right? You right. went through the process. You did it. Um, but at in 2017 with AR, every the pricing, because I did price out a couple of different people, the pricing was all over the map. The, and, I, and I talked to my artist about this because he's excellent and he knows what he's doing and I, he was trustworthy. And he's like, April, everybody's just guessing. Like this is brand new, you know, creating an AR. So you can decide who you want to go with. And I know these, good, these guys are good, blah, blah, blah. And there's just trying to weigh everything out. Mm -hmm. And then... I honestly, both of these guys have created a lot of games before. So I really like having people that can add value to my thoughts and my ideas, right? I don't want right. someone who just takes my order, like a server at a restaurant. I want someone who's like, that's a great idea, April, but, or I right. want you to know this or consider this as well. Like that's invaluable. So, um, we decided to do a simple first person shooter and I liked war of the AI and I wanted it to be about AI because that's right when Elon Musk and Zuckerberg were going back and forth in the media about AI. It was like mm -hmm. right at that time. And, um, whether AI was good or bad, was it going to take over the world, etc. So I was like, Oh, war of the AI, this is perfect timing. And, um, <laughs> It's a little simple first-person shooter, and I did have intentions to build on it and build on it and build on it, but there was just so much I didn't know. Like, I, I published it on the AR kit, so it's only available on iOS, and after I published it, I went into Apple's games where it says, you know, AR, and my game's not there. I'm like, oh, that's weird, mm. like, because there's not a lot of AR games out, especially in 2017, and I contacted Apple. They're like, yeah, we're only going to put your game in the AR game category if it's selected to be there. I'm like, what? So yeah, so there's simple there simple things that I didn't know and I'll never recoup the money on it for sure. So right. it was a good learning experience. I would take it back, but like I said, I learned a lot in the process and it's 
more management experience, which is always good. Like managing people face-to-face at Geico in that mm-hmm. corporate environment is one thing. Managing developers and artists across countries and time zones is a very different thing. Right. Um, but it, the technology has evolved so much too. Prices have dropped so much. People are much more aware of AR today in 2020 than they were in 2017. Um, and it, it had some, it has some good reviews, but it hasn't have a, had a lot of success. It didn't have the success that I thought it would bring even just by being AR. I thought that would draw so much attention to it. And right. it just, there was a lot of things that didn't go as planned, but I, I don't consider it a failure at all because I, I don't know. I just really don't believe in that. And, um, I don't know, it's just, it's really given me a lot of insight for the next project for sure. The- Definitely. No, I mean, I can't imagine the, even if it didn't come out in the end, how you wanted it to, I can only imagine that experience has, has got to bring other values to parts of your life, you know, now and in the future. For sure. How many people did you, I'm curious, how many people did you have working on the app? And I know you mentioned you have people in different countries, but you know, how many people did it take for you guys to build this? There was a total of six, but not all at the same time. The artists I really wanted couldn't begin the project. I had to let, um, two different artists go and then my my best artist the one who did my oculus launchpad submission was able to come back and then we had a tester i had one developer which um there's pros and cons too around going with an independent developer Mm -hmm. uh after our contractual period was over he's paid in full the game is done i don't have my build yet from him right i don't actually have the game um on my computer and he, there was a change I wanted to make right away. So, okay, additional fee, you know, a small contract, et cetera, to make this change. And he was upset because um, he couldn't get it done as quick or at the same price as someone else had quoted me. Mm-hmm. And, and he went dark. Interesting. And I didn't have my game that I had paid right. uh, like a pretty penny for Right. Like he just got mad that I wasn't going to hire him to make this change. And for three days, I'm like, where is my game? (laughs) So, (laughs) right. Those were a stressful three days. (laughs) I I bet. I imagine. Yeah. So there's a lot of pros over going with a company, right. Versus over an independent developer in a foreign country who can just choose to not reply to you. He, he took me off Facebook, take me off messenger, wouldn't reply, wouldn't reply to emails, like boom, gone. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you, you eventually got the game though, correct? Because I did. Everybody okay, okay. started weighing into him. Like everyone else that had hired was contacting him being like, okay. dude, you need to reply to April. Like, come on. And right. yeah, then he finally did. He's like, you don't need to have everybody messaging me. I'm like, well, why don't you reply to me then? <laughs> right? um, but yeah, I got it back. But like, I, I could never work with him again. Right. Because right. that trust is gone. So, um, which brings me, I'm not trying to plug this company. Like I'm not affiliated with them, but mm-hmm. Zapper um, does some amazing AR work. Like I am really impressed with their work because whenever I've tried to look for developers, whether it's independent or companies to create VR or AR work, you really get to see and understand the quality of the work and of the artistry and of the design. And there's a lot of poor work out there right now. 
it really is. But if you don't see a lot, you won't know what's poor from quality. And I've uh, been in touch with Keith Curtin at Zapper for a while now, and they just have huge contracts, which is, that's not the only thing, but I've seen their work and it's really good. And they're uh, much more affordable. And whenever I've had discussions with him about different concepts, they always add so much value to my thoughts. They always build, you know, on, on what I'm thinking. So, right. Which you mentioned is, as you mentioned, and as other people would want, is what you're looking for when, when you're yes. trying to, yeah. For sure. And so, and I want to ask you, do you think, you know, you mentioned the quality of work where, you know, you've looked at a lot of pieces. So for you, you have an eye where you can see something that's quality over not quality. Do you think there, that there's a lot of work out there right now that doesn't meet the quality standards that you and, and other people in this space are looking for just because it's, would you say it's still early or do you think that people are still being trained to do these things or, or, or why do you think that is? I mean, I've been looking at work since 2017. So mm-hmm. there's more and more coming out. Like there's a guy last night on LinkedIn that kept messaging me like, hey, we've done all these, this work for AR. We've worked for so many big companies. We've done this. And I'm like, I was honest. I was like, I've never heard of you, which is weird if you're getting all these really big contracts. Right. And he said, he said, well, we're just, it's a lot of white label. I'm like, hmm, okay. So I'm going to research it and I'm going to see it. But most of the work is so bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, it's so bad. Like, it's baffling. Like, in VR, there is one company that was just taking over, right? 2017, 2018, just taking over huge VR contracts, getting huge names. And their work is so bad, it put the investigative side (laughs) of me to action. And I'm like, this does not make sense. How are they getting these huge names that everybody knows across our country when I go in VR and their work is crap? Mm -hmm. So I'm really good at researching, right? That's one of the things I do. So I'm like, no, I'm going to piece together this puzzle because it doesn't make sense. And I found that one of the first people that they pitched Um, was an owner of a professional sports team. Hmm. And he then invested in them and then opened up his Rolodex to them. So because he wasn't in, right, so so because he invested in them and he had all these names, all these friends and all these contacts, he opened up the door for this VR company to get all these huge contracts. And their, yeah, their work is, is bad. So they, they basically got a first comer premium for, for just showing up first and they happened to have that plug, which then led them to other relationships. And, and that's how you think then that they've kind of made their name. Yes, totally. Because I mean, it's not just my opinion. Like I've discussed this with other people, like even Hollywood people, right? Mm -hmm. Like special effects, people, people that work with, um, cameras and angles and designing all the time and I'm like have you seen he's like they're like it's awful April it's awful I'm like yeah it is so it which is not good because if you're making strides like if you're growing in VR and AR right now and if what people seeing is not good it's actually hurting the industry you're not helping it right so yeah and I think, and for anyone listening, we're not trying to get pessimistic about AR or VR, but I think not that is, is a solid point that you're saying that if, you know, 
you and others that are looking for the quality of it, if it's coming off poor to you, it's definitely probably coming off poor to others who use it or see it. And like you're saying, the last thing you want is for an industry like this. And I think we can later down the road in the episode talk about this for esports. That's not something you want for an emerging and upcoming industry because it only hurts it, like you're saying. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, that's it's super interesting to me. I've, I've had some, actually some friends of dads that have created apps and, and other things like that. So I'm always interested to hear about it. I know a lot of people here, you know, Oh, I created an app, but don't get some of the details behind it. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing that and, and your experience. For sure. My pleasure. <laughs> and so let's now let's, let's pick up and, and to rewind, I know you were about to a couple of minutes ago, you were about to hop into how you came across esports. Um, so if, if you want to hop back in, into the timeline there sure. and let us know where you discovered it and then we can dive deep there as well. Yeah. So I was at a conference and I'm like, wow, esports, what esports? <laughs> Cause it was a <laughs> VR, it was a VR conference. Right. And so then you see these people like playing over on the side cause they were doing a esports game in VR. And I'm like, what in the world? I even remember sitting there thinking, what is esports and why is it here? This is VR. This is so weird. And then I researched it in my hotel room. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I need to learn about this. I need to get involved in this. But I am not a gamer. I have no history in gaming um, or esports. And so this was absolutely like foreign territory to me. So I was talking with someone who um, manages two different app millionaires in California. So he helps bring all of their app visions to life. This is what he does. And mm -hmm. I'm like, so I want to create an app for esports. And he's like, great. What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> how do you know what to create when you don't understand the ecosystem? Right? right. So he said, well, you need to think of some ideas and then validate it. I'm like, okay, how should I go about validating it? He's like, well, you can do a you know, questionnaire on Facebook, or you can just talk to people. And I'm good at talking to people. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so I got the idea that I wanted to do a leaderboard for esports, and now it's time to validate the idea. So booked a plane ticket, and I flew to Dota 2 TI of the mm -hmm. International. Sorry, I shouldn't use abbreviations. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the International. And um, this was my very first move in esports. So I show up. And for three days, I just walk around and I talk to people, but I had two objectives. One was to understand esports and to kind of get it, right? right Quote, right. get it. And then the other was I wanted to validate this idea I had for a leaderboard app. So on day one, I quote, got it. I totally got it. Like you go inside the stadium, tens of thousands of people. Um, it was incredible. And this nice little kid by himself, I think he was 16 had flown in from out of state, and I'm like, uh -uh, excuse me, can I ask you some questions? He's like, <laughs> right? And he's like, sure, sure. I, honestly, I think he was happy to have somebody to talk to. Right. And, and, and I'm always honest about my knowledge level, right? So that helps. So don't, my one caution for people who are trying to get into esports would be, do not pretend to know what you don't know. Because they will find you out in a second, and then you're going to hurt your credibility. Now, if you're honest and you're like, hey, I am brand new, and I don't know my left hand from my right, like, can I ask you some questions? They're so warm and welcoming and open. And, of course, what do you need to know? And, I mean, everything from sitting in that stadium and everyone starts yelling, GG, 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 
that was the first time that I looked over at him. I'm like, hi, could you help me? <laughs> right? I mean, it, there's what does that such, mean? Exactly. There's such a learning curve. He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Um, that's good game. I'm like, okay, okay. And then a couple of minutes later, salty, salty. And everyone's like rubbing their eyes like like a baby doll on their face, like salty. And I'm like, have we are we talking about food now? Like, what is going on? <laughs> right? He's like, no, that's like, oh, boohoo, you're crying. I'm like, really? Okay. So it was just hours of me asking him questions. And then I went outside and just started talking to people because there's lots of people on the grounds. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, hey, so can I ask you some questions? I'm thinking about creating this leaderboard app for esports. Would you use it? No. All right. Thanks. Go the next person. No. Next person. No. Right. Okay. Let me change my approach here. So right. I had a notebook with me and I'm like, all right, I am brand new to esports. I love what I'm seeing. I, you fans are incredible and I want to create for you. What are your pain points? What is missing that would make your life as a fan easier, better? What is out there that's in the wrong format or it's just not put together well? Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to exist that doesn't exist? So there were seven answers, like seven. <laughs> so over a hundred people over three days and everyone is saying the same seven things to where I started just making tally marks in my folder. It's just one more person saying this, one more person saying this, one more person saying this. And I'm working right now to try to bring the number one request to life. And I've been working on it for too long. Um, (laughs) But God help me, I'm going to get it done this year. And the problem is it's not easy to put some of this information together in esports because even people that I know that have the 20 plus years of experience in esports are calling it the Wild West right now. And it, right. it really is. Like you can just decide how you want some things to be. And there's a lot of um, information that isn't linked as it should be. And there's a lot of things missing. But one of the problems is there's a lot of IP. Right. Right. So you have to be careful. It's like, okay, how do I bring the fans' request to life and not get a cease and desist at the same time? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so I mean, even I, I started going to, uh, after that, after that tournament, I started really going to more of the esport, the business side of esports conferences. So mm-hmm. right after that, I flew to France for the first time in my life, and of all reasons, it's for an esports conference. Right. Um, but the, the business people in esports are incredible. They're incredible. They're so warm. They're so welcoming. They will answer any questions that you have. Just again, be honest about your knowledge base. Don't pretend to know everything if you don't, because that will hurt you because the people I know in the space, they really do know everything. I mean, honestly, right. they, they have so much knowledge. They're always willing to, you know, open up to me and share what they can help how they can. And I, and I showed up to France, this girl, and here's all these big name companies, right. From right. around the world. And they're like, who are you? I'm like, April of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're like, okay, so what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm working on a platform. Like I just went to Dota to the international and I gathered this, gathered this information. And I'm trying to figure out like how I can bring it to life. And they're like, cool. How can we help you? Like, it, it's literally how it went. 
And can I stop yeah. you right there real quick? Cause yeah. I think this is a solid point. I think what's authentic and, and as people are listening to, to your story, I think two things I take away is one, it's so true that you have to, you can't lie about what you do or don't know. You got to be authentic and real if, if you're new to the space. But then two, I think it's super important that you also then went, when you went to the fans, you were asking them how you can bring value. And now this goes back to, again, even how you were talking about when you're working with others, you want people that can bring value. And it, it was in a helpful and authentic way that you did it. Um, but more than anything, you, you put your money where your, you know, you put your money where your mouth was and you went to Dota. Then you literally flew over to France to a business conference and you were showing up, you're being authentic showing up. And I think that is so important in this space because a lot of people, you know, you can sit on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram and put esports enthusiast or esports expert in your bio or header or whatever you want to do. But I think people definitely take notice in the history when you're actually showing up to events and actually getting out there with other people. And anyways, so I just want to stop there because I think that's super important that you did that. Those connections make all the difference. Like I went on to TwitchCon from there or no, was it, yeah, it was TwitchCon. I went to a dream hack. I've continued to go to more of the business side. Um, but it really is important because when you meet those people face to face, like they are willing to help you. They are willing to talk to you. They are willing to be interviewed by you. They open up doors for you. But if I'm just trying to reach out to them through LinkedIn, they have the option not to reply. Right. right? They'll be like, who is this girl? Why is she be asking me this? Blah, blah, blah. But if you create that personal relationship with them and they can see that you're authentic and that you really want to do this and bring it to life and they're like, okay, all right, I, I want to help her out. What do you need? And right. that's what I keep getting. I keep getting the what do you need, April? How can I help you? So it makes all the difference. Definitely. No, definitely. And that authentic approach, I think, is huge in this industry. So for anyone that's listening and you're just trying to break into esports, take take note of the things April has done because I think it's a great example. Um, and so you, can you share the and, – and again, I can't remember. Can you share some of the things, you know, the top things when you're speaking to people that they wanted to heighten their experience just to make a better experience? Um, I'm working on the number one right now. Okay. And, uh, so I, I don't want to give away too much of that yet, but, okay. um, it, it's really simple things like a lot of the things they asked for, um, already exist. So of this, of the seven, six mm -hmm. exist, one doesn't. And, but the way that the information is dispersed is the problem. Gotcha. It's just, you know, like, so let's say you're a, a call of duty fan, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to go to this site, to Twitter, to their Instagram, to their Discord channel. You can search for information on Reddit. Like if there's some type of an announcement that comes out, like there's not necessarily one centralized location that you know that information is going to be. It could be anywhere. Sometimes you find out major information because one person decided to tweet it out. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and then, and then you're trying to like update all the other sites and update all the information. And it's, it really is a, a wild west type scenario. It's a, it, I can see the problems. Like the fans <laughs> were literally grabbing out their cell phones and they're like, look, look, look what I have to go through to get to this. This is all the right. way down here over to the left in these tiny little words. One thing they did say, for example, is um, the Liquipedia is way too much information for their cell phones. They're like, I want this condensed and I want very specific information. Here's information I do want that I don't want. Like they wanted very specific stats 
on the players. They want to know what heroes they've used, how many kills, um, mm -hmm. you know, just like very simple, basic information that can actually be difficult to uh, compile and right. put together and then just take out all the extra stuff. And I was telling this to another guy I know in the business side of esports, and he started laughing. He's like, April, I was just in my car the other day, and I need to pull up something on Liquipedia real quick, and I couldn't find it. Like, I'm searching, 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 because it's just too much, and it's not set up for mobile, and mobile is how most of the people are actually consuming it now. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, 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 that's example. super interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let's hop into what I do want to get into is now AR and VR in esports. Um, I think a lot of people are, are probably looking to hear, learn a little bit more about this. So high level, I guess, just to start, what are your thoughts on how AR and VR do or don't work in the esports industries and, uh, industry and in what ways? AR and esports is beautiful. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It goes together amazing. And I really think we're going to continue to see more and more value because right now we're just seeing like cool things. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the dragon at the um, League of Legends final in 2017 flying all over the stadium in AR. Like that was really cool. And if you haven't seen that, you can just literally go on your computer research League of Legends 2017 AR dragon. I need to look at videos. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I need yeah. To see that. And, yeah. Um, and even one of my contacts on LinkedIn, just yesterday, he posted this. So if you haven't seen um, this, you can search Dmitry Karpenko, K-A-R-P-N-K-O, because they're with WePlay, and their AR team just created something where they brought some Dota 2 heroes to life. Um, I might say this wrong, during the Bukovo Minor. So, I mean, that looks really cool, and there is a link to it, and I was just watching that this morning. Um, and, and it really can come... Uh, progress from there, right? More than just seeing dragons and heroes brought to life in AR. But imagine mm -hmm. being a scenario where you can hold up your phone and instantly be able to pull these stats that you want on on a player during a tournament that's live, right? That like you crazy. can hold up your it, it would be. There's so much value that you can add to esports with AR. However, my unpopular opinion, right? But a lot of people, when I explain <laughs> it, people get it. Um, VR and esports is not a natural fit. Mm -hmm. um, esports is very much about community, about being together. Um, like when I did fly in to see Dota 2 TI, right? And I'm in that stadium. It was so much like being in a Super Bowl environment. Right. It was like such a similar comparison. And the reasons are so similar that the people got together. Like you can stay home and watch the Super Bowl from your TV, but you're missing that energy and electricity and being around other people and all the, the hoopla. Right. Like that's right. what it's so exciting. And people actually want to be in that excitement and they want to be with each other and they want to be around people that they are like. When you're in VR, it, it's the exact opposite. You're right. actually isolating yourself from the people around you so even just from that very basic standpoint esports is very much a togetherness vr is the exact opposite right. and so and then in preparation for this i made sure that i was like up to date on what's happening in vr and esports and doing some research and even like space junkies by ubisoft like mm -hmm. it flopped pretty fast 
Um, and then they even stopped plans to create a non-VR version of Space Junkies. Now, it could be maybe it was just the game itself wasn't great. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, the gameplay. But it, it, to put that much time and thought and money <laughs> as they did into it and then have it not work. And then uh, where is another figure? Um, Valve. Okay, 2018. Valve reported that 0.8% of Steam users had a VR headset attached to their computer, and they were raving over this figure. 0.8. That's super small. Right. That yeah. it, it is super, super That's, small. Yeah. So, so if I were an investor, uh, and, and just from my knowledge of VR and from my uh, gaining knowledge of esports, I would never put money into something that was a VR esports combo it just right. doesn't make sense like i said ar esports is the exact opposite and when i did go to france that first time and i was you know listening to all the panels i was amazed at how many panels were talking about the future of ar and esports and i over and over and over oh my gosh we cannot wait we cannot wait blah 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 blah, blah. and i leaned over to my new friend at the time um arn peters and i was like arn what is he what are they talking about? Were they going to do an AR? He's like, they don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like, it's like, they don't know what they want to do yet, but they're excited about that emerging technology. They can see that it fits very well with esports, but VR, everyone had the opposite opinion of. Right. So, and, and I've even been to Oculus conferences where they had a VR esports tournament taking place. And it's awkward. I don't know how to explain it to to watch a bunch of people on a stage that are all in VR and you can't they can't see you and you're watching people that don't know that they're really being watched by you. There is something unnatural about it. And I really feel that the best cases for VR are those when you need to be by yourself. So mm -hmm. think about times in life when you need to study. Like there are some great things for medical students in VR or think about the times where you're just overwhelmed in life and you just need a break. There are some great applications in VR for anxiety and for PTSD that are having greater effects than traditional means of, of treating PTSD. So I always say if you need to be by yourself, that would be a great, great reason to create it for VR, right? Because you're going to be alone. You're going to be isolating yourself from everything and everyone around you. So just think about those times in life where you would say, I'm going to go up to my room and close the door. I need to be by myself for a while. And that that's a natural fit. But AR allows you to carry on with life, to talk with people, to interact. And AR should simply be adding value to what's already going on around you. Right. No, it's a, it's a, I think that was first off an incredible breakdown because I think a lot of times two people maybe even get confused about the two. And, and when we're talking, I don't know, people, you know, people get excited because they are both two very cool technologies and we just quickly are like, oh yeah, AR and VR and esports and gaming, this is going to be amazing. But I think it's important to to break it down like you just did as to how each can, can or cannot play a role in the industry. But I think you've got a great point with VR, especially in esports, like you're saying, where it's such a community industry and where it's about interacting with others, having those experiences with others. I've personally never seen a VR esports tournament live, but even how you're describing what your experience was, I could definitely see that, how you would have that disconnect that just would feel awkward 
and and wouldn't resemble what a traditional esports experience would be like. Um, but on the AR side, I definitely see it, and especially how you just explained it. I think there are so many cool ways. I mean, I hadn't even thought of how you just explained it, where you know you could point and get a player's stats or their info, you know, while you're there. I think that would just be incredible. And, and there's other awesome ideas out there. Oh, yeah. But. Even just for like marketing purposes, right? Like there's so many cool ways that you could create something um, like some type of, you know, point system. And you hold up your phone and you're at a tournament. And if you collect so many points through this little AR game, you know, then th there would be some type of reward. And right. yeah, there's so many cool things they can do with it. Well, I'm going to put you before we shift away from this. I want to get your hot thought on this or your hot take on this. Because I've heard it circle around, and since you're in, in the space, I want to see if you've heard about it or where your thoughts are. Do you think in the future, and again, we don't know how many years this would be, there's a possibility to where if so – let's use Fortnite, for example. If you're watching Fortnite as a viewer, there is an experience where as a viewer you're put in the game and you can travel in different parts of the map and watch it from inside of a game, or, or is that stretching too far, if that made sense? I think that would be amazing. I think okay. that would be so cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's making me think of mixed reality. So right. mixed reality is even further along. Uh, not further along. I'm saying it's it, it's going to be a long time till you see <laughs> mixed reality as uh, any type of common staple in a home, right? Okay. Like VR is not there. Mixed reality headsets are even more expensive. The technology is much more difficult to get a hold of than a VR headset. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think what you just described would be amazing. How many people would love to do that, right? Yeah. But then yeah. when you but when you really think about the technical aspects of it, um, and it's making me think of some things I had learned, basic concepts in VR. Like, let's say you're in that Fortnite game, but you need to run around, right? Right. How how do you run around? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So like even teleporting is an issue. Like, how do you do that? Like, I am sure there, there are great minds out there that are figuring all this out and are um, uh, creating ways um, where you don't have to teleport, where it's making things more natural, where there's sensors on your ankles and on your arms so that you can move easier through uh, VR games and et cetera. But right. you want it to really be a, a, a natural, seamless fit. Right. So the good news is that they're always creating new VR equipment. Like in the three years I've been in it, I've had three different headsets. Right? That's interesting. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're updating the equipment so fast right now. So they're really they're trying to take away from the negatives of VR, VR equipment so that more people will buy it. So, you know, when I first had mine, there was a cord attached to it. Now it's, now there's, I have an untethered Oculus Go, you know, mm -hmm. um, after the corded one, I had one where you had to stick it in the Samsung phone, Samsung phone. So you had, you know, a phone in your headset. And now I have one where it's all in one, the Oculus Go. So there's no need for the phone anymore. And, um, it, it's moving really, really fast, but if, if, they have the budget to create something like what you just described Fortnite. It'd be yeah. incredible. But then you're like, okay, what percentage of the people that play it have the equipment necessary if we did create it? Exactly. And 
that's where you run into big problems because even though I want to bring this driver's ed VR training to life, how do you do that when they don't have the headsets in their home? Yeah, there has to be a market for it. Yeah, so, there, there has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and I think your stat of, of Steam where you're saying, you know, 0.8%, and I can't remember exactly what the stat you were just saying, but it's very low. Yeah. That that kind of shows you that while while we can sit here and want really cool things, it has to also make sense for the companies. And I think that if you look at a stat like that and you're an investor, you know, you're just kind of thinking, is it really there yet? Is this worth my my time and my money? So exactly. Um, okay. Well, before we shift away, cause I, I know our, our last conversation that we're going to, before we start to wind up, episode is going to be a little bit about educating on esports. Is there any final thoughts or comments you have about VR and AR in general, that's kind of got your attention right now or how it plays into esports or, or anything like that? Um, nothing that we haven't really already okay. talked about. Yeah. Okay. Um, well let's shift. I know that this is important to both of us. And we were talking about it on the phone the other day, you know, about just educating others about esports in general. And I know we've been kind of treading on this throughout our conversation here about, you know, your first experience at Dota and, and how, when you're first getting into the industry you had, I thought a great place to start was you shared a really interesting story with me about, um, the call of duty offer that, that someone received in their yeah. uncle. So if you want to share that and then we can kind of go from there, I think that'd be a great starting point. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I talk about my lack of understanding, well, my lack of history in esports, right. And how I'm learning. And there's a period of time where you're wondering, wow, is it just me? Am I the only one on earth that had no clue what GG meant and what salty <laughs> was all about. Right. And right. this past summer I met a guy, right. Like older forties, um, a businessman, like he owns several businesses. He's educated. He's had a successful exit. Um, you know, he's fundraised, um, from like big, big time athletes here in Minnesota. Like mm -hmm. he knows what he's doing. Right. And he told me that as soon as he heard, Oh yeah, that I'm in esports and pursuing things. He said, Oh, guess what? So my nephew called me because a professional call of duty team wanted to recruit him. I'm like, wow. Okay. And he's like, he was calling me for advice. I'm like, all right. So what'd you tell him? He's like, April, it's just ingrained in me that you have to have a college degree. You just mm -hmm. have to. So I told him to pass it up and go to college. And I was wow. like, whoa. I was like, if the Minnesota Vikings had just called him, would you tell him not to go and to go to college instead? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, especially, <laughs> like, especially being someone, right. I went to college and then I stopped for several years and then I went back, I finished, I got my degree and I'm not 20 something, right? Like I'm a grown adult. So I do have my views on this because to be on a professional esports team it is a once in a lifetime opportunity because what right. happens is as you age, your, the speed of your reflexes goes down. Um, you know, a lot of games, like I know that Bill with IBM, Bill Lavoie Barry, and I'm probably saying his last name wrong, even though he's my good buddy. Um, <laughs> you know, he talks about like action, uh, actions per minute, right? Like how they'll mm -hmm. even look at like how fast your fingers can basically move. Right. And as you age, it goes down, the speed goes down. So he's literally going to go off to college spend what a minimum of four years, right? If you can finish your four year degree in four years. And Which doesn't happen gets, often. And, and no. <laughs> and, and then he's going to be too old. And that yeah. opportunity is going to be gone. And I think people are thinking 
that he's just going to go and play games and make a little bit of money and waste his time. But it can yeah. actually open up so many doors, you know, to being on a, being a professional player. Like you could be a coach after that. You could go into owning a team. Like you have to go down that path and really fully understand it. And then there's so many opportunities that can come out of that. Right. It, it'd be right. such an amazing entry point to esports for your esports career, even to be able to start off as a pro player. I mean, come on, like there's, there's so many more doors that could open because of that, but he'll literally be 25 years old, come out of college, have degree and boom, that opportunity is gone. I mean, look at a hundred thieves. You're basically describing what you just described is basically Nate shot. And not everyone is going to become a Nate shot. That's not what we're saying, but there's a prime example of, you know, a grade a class of what could happen. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I just realized, like, there is this need for education. Like, so it's not just me. I'm like, okay, it's not just me. And then recently, um, Annie Riley um, with Roker, the new Call of Duty team here mm-hmm. in Minnesota, she just tweeted out a couple weeks ago that she spends a solid 10% of her time just educating people on what esports is. Right. And then I've, I have my regular people who are kind enough in esports to like when I'm lost, when I need some direction, I'm like, can you please help and tell me what the heck this means? You know, and like <laughs> Krista Heiner is one of those because she used to live here in Minnesota and she's out in California now with ESG Law and she's an incredible esports attorney. And I'm like, Krista, I feel like there, there's a need for just a very basic education of esports and what esports is and et cetera. She goes, no, there is a need for this. Because what's out now really requires you to already have knowledge, like a good history of knowledge, and then it builds up on it. So I get the reports from Esports Observer. You know, I check, I follow everybody, um, well, not everybody, a lot of people on Twitter and Esports. Mm -hmm. And there's always things going on that I don't understand that I need people to explain to me. Like, how can you follow along? And um, I was even having a talk with someone at a huge marketing company this past summer. And there was a traditional sports company that they work with that's synonymous with all of traditional esports. Like everybody knows them. They're a huge global brand. And he pitched the idea of esports to them. And they said, no, 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 no. We're just traditional sports. Mm. And we were in the middle of eating when he said that. Like I couldn't take my bite. <laughs> right? right. I like stopped. Right. And I'm like, what? And he said, April, there are all these older guys, all the sea levels, and they're just I think they've got the wrong perception. I think that they don't understand. And then you can either choose to learn and understand, right? Or you can just ignore it. Right. So well, they're at. And, and to your point, you mentioned you bring up how you're, you know, you follow all these different accounts, whether that be, you know, something like the Esports Observer or influential people, you know, people they give you the good info and it's hard to keep up. And I think that that is so important that especially – I don't know. I think that when I got in it, I had this notion to where you had to keep up with every single headline and every single thing that was going in the industry. But if you really take a step back or if I take a step back now and break that down as to what I initially thought, if you're trying to keep up with every single headline that's going on in esports, keep in mind, esports is basically Call of Duty and Fortnite are two different esports or Call of Duty and Dota are two different esports because they're two different games. So it would be like the equivalent of trying to be an expert in every type of traditional sport all at once. And it's just not, 
it's probably not going to happen. Like that would be very, very difficult to do. And I think that's important for people that to understand, listen, there's going to always be something going on in esports, and you don't have to be an expert in every single angle of it. And you just need to learn and where you have your interests is where you need to follow your interests and bring value to that area. Um, Cause it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on every single day. It is, but somehow I know so many people on the business side that are like, they are on top of it. They know what's going on. They know the tiny little changes. So it can be really intimidating. And then some of them just can retain that information so well. But when right. I'm reading something and I don't understand why it's important and I don't understand how it connects this with this and what's the heck is the LCS and why is it important that so-and-so is leaving or joining and, you know, right. like there, there's so much. And I really feel like there is a need for just a very basic ground up, not like uh, um, a foundation way, foundation for people yeah. to learn about esports. So that's literally what I'm starting this week. So people can follow me on the journey and just, we can learn our ABCs together. <laughs> that, it's, it's needed because I think having at least a general overview, you need to have a general knowledge of everything. And then you can, you know, if you just want to be an expert in the space, you can pick it, but you definitely need to have an overall grasp. So that's awesome that you're going to start rolling that out. So if anyone's listening, make sure you follow her on everything so that you guys can go along in that journey. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to cover because obviously when you're in esports and like you're saying, you have to bring, and we've mentioned it as we've been talking, you know, an authentic approach, especially if you're just trying to break in for the first part, but that's on someone who's new to the space. Something that I wanted to chat on with you is for those of us that are in the space already and are working, whether you're in gaming or in esports or kind of in both, how do we, um, educate others that aren't and bring those people that, aren't here yet, but need to realize that it's going to come into their profession. It's going to blend in their profession down the road. How do we go about educating others? I mean, one, they have to be willing to learn, right? Mm -hmm. So when my new friend is telling me that he's trying to pitch to this major organization, this major brand, and they just flat out turn him down, they don't want to be in esports. Like they, they will regret it. <laughs> I mean, right. it's just plain. Um, but two, I really believe that if you really don't understand, you can see there's something going on. You can see the numbers, but your brain just cannot compute. Like, how is this real? I would really suggest that you go to an esports tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you need to go there. You need to be around the fans. You need to learn it. You need to see it um, with your own eyes. Um, Allie Young of Access Replay in Atlanta yeah. You know, she was telling me they've got a great facility for people to come and game. And she was telling me uh, uh, back in October about her, her fundraising and how it all happened. And they had an initial uh, amount of money come in. And she goes, and we just opened the doors. We got the computers in. We opened the doors. We were you know, starting to prepare for everything. And after that, then when the, when the next investors could come in and actually see it, Mm -hmm. and see the people and see it's working and see the space, then she had so much more money come in and allow them to grow. But she's like, April, you just have to get started because some people just can't get it. They can't see it. Yeah. Um, but once they can visually see it right in front of them, then they just come in here and they're like, how does this work? 
how is this working? Why are the people coming? Like, I, wow, you know, they, they can't believe what they're seeing. Um, right. So I, I really do. I firmly believe that you just have to go and to like, let's say like you're a, a CEO and you're like, I do not want to spend my weekend just watching a people, bunch of people game. Like you have to know it's more than that. There's normally some type of small business event that's linked onto a lot of these tournaments. So like for DreamHack, I came in a day early and I was, that's actually when I met Allie Young. That's when I met Herb May. That's when I met, you know, a lot of other people um, mm -hmm. that are all, they have a great um, knowledge of esports, of the business side. And again, they're so willing to show you, to explain, to help you. So show up for real, just show up, be around them, learn from them and see it with your own eyes. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I second that. And I think that, you know, maybe somebody is listening and like, oh, I don't, I don't have the money or the funds to, to go to multiple events. I think that if you're just trying to learn about the space, definitely start on places like LinkedIn that has an amazing esports community and, and genuinely approach people, authentically approach people and begin to create a network there. And then even if it's just a one event every couple of months, maybe there's one near you, like there's a lot of events that are popping up around the United States everywhere. And, and you just mm -hmm. need to find one that's near you and, and get plugged in, like you're saying, and, and show that you want to be, you know, in the industry. Heck, even this week, you know, with um, the Minnesota Call of Duty team launching uh, next weekend, there's mm -hmm. people flying in all this week, right? Like right. My, my favorite, some of my favorite business people in esports are all flying in this week. And one of them, um, uh, Christy St. Martin, I'm like, hey, can you like... <laughs> help me with my business plan and my pitch deck. And she's like, yep, like, come on, let's meet and I'll rip through it and I'll help you and, you know, do what I can and get you ready for some investors. And I'm like, please do. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a good example of how, how the industry works though. People, I think everyone wants to help everyone else. Everyone wants to see the industry move forward. And I, I've been saying this in the podcast for a bit. I've, I've had some different guests pitching on it. The fur, the more that we help, other people in different parts of the industry, you know, whether that's with constructive criticism, whether that's with not knowing something in a specific area of it and just helping each other continue to push the industry forward, it's going to help pave the path for others better. It's going to build a better foundation for the industry. So that's a great example of it right there. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, they're, they're great people. I value them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will start to wind things down and, and head into the lightning round here in a second. Is there, I always give my guests an opportunity at the end here. Is there anything else that we didn't cover or that's kind of on your mind at the end here? Any recommendation you might give to, to anyone listening? Not, not anything other than what we've ever uh, already covered. I mean, I think we yeah. both stressed that don't pretend to know what you don't know. Right? right. So that's really important. Like it's totally fine not to have an education or a deep understanding of esports. Like don't let that stop you. If you're interested in the area, that's fine. Like have your interest and then just start learning and just be really honest about your knowledge base and everyone will open up the doors for you. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we will go into the Lodges Light 7 which April, like I mentioned to you, this is just kind of a fun way to end the episode, let people know a little bit more about you. So Question number one for you is what is the most favorite place that you've traveled to? Ah, uh, uh, okay. It's a tie. Um, okay. Nice, France and okay. Killarney, Ireland. Interesting. Okay. Those are cool. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite childhood TV show? Ah, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, 
Slice of Life, maybe? I'm probably really, no, no, I take that back. Maybe Newhart with Bob Newhart. Yeah, the end in Vermont with Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, and you're probably not following along with me at all. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Like, That's what? funny. Yeah. yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not going to listen up here. Like, I, I, like, I don't know that I know. I just aged myself. It's fine. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to give a shot? And let's just say that you would be amazing at it. So what would you like to try? Oh, my gosh. From the time I was five, I wanted to be a chef, like specifically okay, a pastry chef. So I've cooked since the time I was little and I still cook. So I'm I'm a bit obsessed with it. Like as a kid. I didn't read um, autobiographies or fiction or nonfiction. I literally would read cookbooks and study cookbooks. Interesting. Yeah. You should maybe, maybe down the road you open a restaurant that incorporates esports and gaming. You know, maybe, maybe we see that. <laughs> maybe. Sounds good. Uh, it does. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, what would you say is your favorite cereal? Oh. Okay, it's a granola cereal. Does that count? That counts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's like I think it's called Crave the Crunch. Okay. It's delicious. Yeah. I like granola cereal. I have I don't know which one I have, but granola cereal is good. That's a solid yeah. pick. All right, question. You got three more questions. This one is, what would you say is your biggest pet peeve? When people don't stand up for other people, I hate okay. that. So if like somebody's putting somebody else down and you know it's not true and they're just trashing them and the other people just stand there and let it happen, like, yeah, I hate that. That's a good. So. Yeah. And this is the deeper one of the set, but who would you say is the most influential person in your life so far? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like today or in my lifetime or? Yeah, in your lifetime. Do you think that has had the biggest impact on your life? A living person, right? Like we can't say God. Right. The truth is I've been a Christian since kindergarten. So literally um, trying to learn more every day. And people say that there isn't a um, an instruction book to life, but there really is. And there's been so many times I've not known what to do. And mm -hmm. like I pray and I get out my Bible and boom, and there's the answer. That's so, awesome. yeah. No, that's awesome to hear. That's really cool. And then with the last question is, what would you say is your favorite video game of all time? And if that's too hard, we've done current favorite video game and then oldest. Listen, Pac-Man, can you, can you beat Pac-Man? <laughs> I don't think you can. can you? No. <laughs> that's, wait, that, that's actually mind blowing. I've never thought of that. I, I don't know if you, yeah, I don't think you can. Uh, Pac-Man is amazing. That's Wait, you just, is, is there another game like that where you really can't beat? Like, now I'm trying to think. I mean, Pac-Man is the coolest game, right? That's a good, like, and you're talking about playing it on, like, the old school style, like the, oh, like, how would I, you describe it? Like, the, the standalone. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like, I just did that. I just played one, like, this past fall. Because um, one of my friends um, host a event at Mystic Lake Casino. And he always invites me to come down and they brought in an old school Pac-Man video game machine and I got to play it. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. It's so cool.
That's a good one. Well, there you go. You made it to the largest light seven. Appreciate that. Um, it's always fun to, to hear people's thoughts on all these questions. So, um, well, that wraps it up, April. I just wanted to thank you again for coming on, for sharing everything. This is a really interesting conversation for me because like I said, we've touched lightly with past guests about VR and AR, but to have someone that's in it and really has the experience, it was really awesome to hear from you. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then where can anyone who's listening find you? Where are your social medias? Um, so go on LinkedIn. That's the best way to communicate with me. And it's just April Blizz, B-L-I-Z. I mean, I'm on Instagram too, but you're, you know, if you're going to be on there, you're going to see a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then whenever I'm around my esports people, you'll see esports people, um, but mostly food. And uh, yeah, so really LinkedIn's the best way. I'm on Twitter also, same thing, just April Bliss, but um, LinkedIn is the best way. Awesome. Well, thank you. There you guys go. You guys will see me tag her across everything if you're following me as well. So that'll give you an easy click to, to her profiles. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you next week for another episode of The Lodges Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.